0: Welcome back. This is God Knows Where. I'm Brett Harris. I'm glad you're here with us today. Today, we're going to be digging into one of those last topics that I talked about in terms of following Jesus. Uh, That's to release. I mentioned an article last week by Starlet Thomas on Good Faith Media. Turns out another article just came out right before I started recording today. So I'll have links to both of those in the show notes for you to read, but they're kind of the impetus behind this. Um, So, I hope you enjoy today. Uh, Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, I'd love for you to leave a review for the show in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. Um, It means a lot to me and it helps other folks find the show. So once you listen to this or if you want to do it before you listen to it, um, go and leave a review of the show. And I hope you enjoy today's episode, Rinse Retreat. Last week, Starlet Thomas, host of the podcast The Raceless Gospel, wrote a piece for Good Faith Media on an alarming trend in the church. According to a Barna study, in 2022, 42% of pastors considered leaving the ministry. Two out of five. And that's nearly half again as many as 2021, when 29% of pastors considered leaving the ministry. I shared her article on social media last week after I read it, and I'll share the other article she wrote today with y'all as well. But I shared last week's with a request for y'all. If you're part of a church, or if your work or your life brings you into contact with pastors in any way, check on them. Ask them not just how they're doing, but offer to take them to lunch, and not for your own pastoral care, but for theirs. Ask if there's one hole that they could fill right now, what would it be? and see if there's a way you can help. With numbers like those that Barna reported, a little connection and consideration could go a long way for your pastor's well-being. I've tried to figure out if there was a way I could share my own experience as a pastor who who didn't just think about leaving the ministry, but did, but I can't. Not now, at least. Maybe one day I can, but for now it's all too raw and too close, and what I could say today wouldn't be helpful to anyone. It wouldn't be filled with love, and that's what we've been talking about most recently here on God Knows Where. Love. A few episodes back, I talked about how, as I see it, there are four ways we respond to Jesus' call to follow Him. To give, to connect, to love, and to release. In order to follow Jesus, there are some things that we have to let go of along the way. One is believing that we have to do everything and be everywhere, or we'll miss out, or we'll fail to produce, or we'll ignore our callings, or we'll keep our kids away from opportunities. I bet that this incessant activity and the expectation to do it all is one thing that's been driving pastors away. It's definitely something that took a toll on my own family. Now, I don't have the words to dig into the Barna study today, but I do for another study that came out a few years earlier, in 2018. That study of 2,000 British men and women found that adults are so busy, so overwhelmed, and so overstimulated by life, that the only place they can find any solitude or any peace is the bathroom. Not the bathtub, not a warm, drawn bath, not the shower, not even the toilet. Just beyond the closed door of the one room in the house where you might expect to be left alone. More than one-fifth of those surveyed claim that the bathroom is the only place in their life where they can find any peace and quiet. 14% of men admitted to storing books, magazines, and snacks. Yes, snacks in the bathroom for their little getaways. And on average, men spend seven hours in the bathroom each year just for peace and quiet. And that number seems kind of low. Even there, though, peace and solitude isn't a guarantee. 85% of families who have instituted some type of do not disturb rule to the bathroom, they say it doesn't work. I mean, at our house, we might as well not even have doors on the bathrooms in our house. A closed door is nothing but an invitation to have a chat as far as at least one of my kids is concerned. I want to read all the findings of this study to you because they're funny and enlightening and it's worth reading and I want to talk with you about it, but I won't. So you can go read all the findings for yourself at the link that I put in the show notes. And if you read them, if you go and read that, I want you to pay attention to how many times words like sanctuary and solitude and sacred come up when talking about how we feel about the bathroom. I mean, think about that. Pre-pandemic life was so incessant, so unyielding, that eating a snack on the toilet and reading a little bit was the best way we could find to get a little peace and quiet. And I'd bet a lot of money that those numbers went way up during the pandemic, especially for parents at home with kids. And post-pandemic, we're pretty close, if not already past, that level of activity that we were there when the study came out. And as funny as toilet snacks may be to talk about, it's even more comical to read what happens to Jesus when he goes away for some solitude in the Gospels. But it's funny, because if you don't laugh, you'll cry. In Mark 6, Jesus sends the disciples off to rest after they've returned from a missionary journey, and he went off to pray alone. In Matthew 14, the disciples find Jesus to tell him that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been killed, and he went away to be alone and likely to grieve. In Luke 5, Jesus keeps trying to find some solitude after the news about his ability to heal people continues to grow, but it gets harder and harder because the crowds keep getting larger and larger. And later in Luke 22, Jesus goes into the garden to pray alone on the night before he is crucified. In the last one, in the garden, Jesus basically puts up a do not disturb sign, and the disciples only obey that because they fall asleep. But in the others, as soon as Jesus is alone, as soon as he gets away from all the rush and hurry of life around him, someone figures out where he is. And then there's a crowd, a line around the block, coming to him with questions and people needing healing. The crowds are like children who could be sitting perfectly still, playing a game or reading a book or doing whatever. But the minute you shut the bathroom door, They just have to ask you a question or come in and share a new fact or tell you a new joke. What's more in these stories we read in the gospel is that Jesus lets folks interrupt him. In Mark 6, it says there was not even enough leisure to eat once the crowds found him. In Matthew 14, he goes from grieving John's death to feeding 5,000 people. The demands on Jesus' life and gifts and strength were so great that his moments of solitude were fleeting at best. Because instead of following him into solitude, into communion with God, the crowds followed him to get only what they wanted their wounds healed, a few words of wisdom, maybe some answers to their questions. And Jesus did that. He did what they He gave them what they wanted. He gave and he gave and he gave. Even when he wasn't available to them, he made himself available. And no matter what he was doing, he was Jesus. He was intimately connected to God, his source of strength and wisdom. He could afford to be interrupted. But we can't. We're not Jesus. We are just people trying to follow him. And when we give and give and give we run out. We run out of time. We run out of energy. We run out of capacity to love. As a pastor, I got paid to give and give and give, to keep my door open even when it was closed, to answer the phone even when it was on silent. And I had to hide to write my sermons. And every day, every day, every single day, I came home spent with nothing left to give, not to anyone, Not to my wife, not to my kids, nobody. I'd given it all away during the day and never had the space to recharge and to reconnect with God and to follow Jesus into solitude. That was my experience. And if other pastors or leaders have similar feelings, it's no wonder 42% are thinking about leaving. Whether or not you're a pastor, your experience might be similar. It's easy to fill our schedules and our calendars and our days so full that the bathroom becomes our only sanctuary. And I don't have to tell you that that isn't healthy. We need to follow Jesus when he steps away. It's our task as followers to go where he goes and do what he does. And when he goes away to be quiet, even if he doesn't tell us to be quiet, even if he doesn't explicitly say Now we're going to have some time for quiet. We need to follow his lead. We need to follow his lead so that we can recharge and rejuvenate ourselves. So that instead of running out of what we need, we'll find the renewal that we need for all that's standing in front of us. Maybe even be able to find the courage to say no sometimes, to slow down, to recalibrate our routines. But that's hard to do. Whenever I ask someone how they're doing, they always say the same thing. Busy. Crazy. Back and forth, from this to that and everywhere in between. I mean, in the last month, I've tried to find time to connect with two mentors and former pastors of mine, and it's been like, okay, I got from 1217 to 1228 two Wednesdays from now. Oh yeah, well, I could do 1226 to 1234, and none of us have full-time jobs. We're all just blowing and going with projects and podcasts and life. So I can't imagine what it's like for those of you working eight to five. But here's the good news. I've said it before. We aren't Jesus. We might have tiny humans following us into the bathroom to tell us whatever they think they have to tell us at that moment or busting in on us without warning. But no one is clamoring for us the way the crowds clamored for Jesus. It's unlikely that folks are hunting us down on a hillside for a chat or to have a wound healed. They're not seeking us the same way those folks sought Jesus. And because we aren't Jesus, we can't afford to be overrun by all the incessant activity around us. Because we aren't Jesus, we can't just slip away to eat a kind bar in the bathroom and think everything will be okay. Taking time to reconnect and recenter has to be as much a part of our calendars as practices and meetings and appointments. We have to treat it as such. We have to make time for it. We have to tell others what we're doing and be honest about what we need. If we wanna follow Jesus, we have to follow him. Not always to get what we need or what we think we need, but to figure out the pattern and the rhythm that he figured out between being on and being off. And if we can follow him there, wherever he goes, with that in mind, we might actually find exactly what we needed all along. God Knows Where is written, produced, and edited by me, Brett Harris, with music by Thomas Steinwinder and Michael Trest, and unwavering support from my wife, Elizabeth. If you like what you hear, I'd encourage you to share God Knows Where with your friends and family, and give us a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. It would mean the world to me, and it'll help more people find God Knows Where. Thanks in advance for your help, and for being here, and for listening until next time, take these words from William Sloan Coffin with you. May God give you the grace never to sell yourself short. Grace to risk something big for something good. Grace to remember that the world is too dangerous for anything but truth and too small for anything but love. So may God take your minds and think through them, and your eyes and see through them, and your hearts and set them on fire.